What's up, Audio Slave? Doing, doing good. Just uh, Mark, Monty Creed here. <laughs> the classic, the throwback, the lost episode that is theoretically available for everybody on our Patreon, where. We were with Mark Tremonti from Creed. Mark Tremonti from Creed, thank you for being here. <clears throat> and welcome, everybody. It's Master Shake Theater. We're cutting in. We're getting to the business. Um, we're the Aquatine Pod. There's other ones, but this is the one, so to speak. Um, we're here with Mark Tremonti from Creed. Extra special guest, OG guest. Um, we are talking... We're about talking. we are talking <laughs> that is definitely a thing that we're doing um we are talking about season two episode 12 universal remonster um september 28th 2003 folks we are dangerously deep into 2003 we are on the sort of outer limit of what i view as this sort of utopian time and culture i think in 2004 things start really tailing off no coincidence that this is also the pith of the best part of this show, but we're still in it. In this episode, Emery and Oglethorpe set out to create the ultimate remote control so that they can watch TV, the TV, um, through the Fargate, more like Fartgate, uh, and produce a monster named the Universal Remonster. Um, let's jump, let's jump right in. What do we, what do we think about this? Mark Tremonti. Mark Tremonti Creed here. Um, I, I think that, uh, this wasn't like a belly laugh episode, but I do, I do love the, I do love the, just like the concept of a universal remote and the idea that they yeah. made just a whole fucking episode about <laughs> Universal Remonster. It's just absolutely so stupidly fun. It's it's really, really fun. Um, I think that I'm with you on like this wasn't this was like a think and grin funny as opposed to a belly laugh funny. Um yes. and I actually I'm I rarely belly laugh at things, like rarely does stuff hit my funny bone in the right way for me to belly laugh and so a good thinking grin for me is a lot of the times as high as i could dream um yeah and this was really that i think that this show is incredible like borderline preternaturally good at create at dealing with at sprinkling in themes regarding technology and human progress that yes. are not only timely, but are really fun to look back at, like really fun to look back at and become, become timeless. And the universal remote is sort of, I think the platonic ideal of that, right? Like how many fucking, it was just like, like it, it had me thinking, like what, what technology do we have now and that we're currently soaking in that we are going to look back on uh that we're going to look back on with the the sort of same mealy-mouthed pseudo disdain that we that we uh look back on the universal remote with 
I was, I was thinking about that as I was watching the episode. I'm not, I'm not sure that I know the answer to that. Um, Cause I, I'm like, I think that I saw a really good like satire tweet a few months ago about sort of like the IOT ecosystem via app. And you might've seen this too, where it's basically like, um, you're in, you're working in Starbucks and, uh, you have to, you have to walk away from a, from a crying and screaming customer because you're, uh, this is staying in our Starbucks theme, uh, because (laughs) you, you outsourced your, your toilets to an app called Flusher, which has been down and the bathroom is just full of coffee turds. (laughs) And I think the very, like, very mediocre and sort of hand-wringing fucking world that we find ourselves in with, like, everything everything being driven by IoT and these, you know, shitty dime a dozen IoT apps, that might, that might be a current day analog to, to the universal remote. I'm curious as to what you think on that. Yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. I was, I was uh, reading about the new BMW cars, like the heated seats. It's oh like my gosh! How transaction. perfect! How perfect yeah. for the, for this timing, right? Like exactly. It's like the most flusher fucking thing of all time, and like, yeah, I could definitely see you know some kind of microtransaction hell. Like, and and I think that's ultimately what the like near field, like like um, the uh, near field communication stuff, like paying with your cards on your phone and shit is like really meant to enable is like that just seamless fucking microtransaction hell shit just like oh yeah you want you want a couple of fucking paper towels you know 10 fucking cents you know um yeah building that's yeah but i I don't know it's quite the universal remote analog like of today because I feel like you need to have something that, like at the time, I think the universal remote was like, oh, cool, that's a fun idea. But like looking back, it's like, it's just a bit ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm trying like to think what, of like, what is that today? Yeah, like the parameters of it are like something that is theoretically the most convenient thing in the world, but is really clumsily implemented and, right. and actually ends up making life more complicated. And it's cheap and disposable, and you have to buy a lot of it. Again, I, right. I don't know. This is this is interesting. This is all a, a really circuitous way of, of me coming around to our our sponsor today, which is uh, which is actually the the app called Pilkster, uh, and I'm really I'm really I'm really excited to announce this to announce our our link and build style collaboration. With the new app, Pilkster, this is this is a company that actually got through um, got through Shark Tank, and it's it's going to be coming to a Circle K or a Seven Eleven or a Wawa near you soon. Uh, and what what it is is, I'm I'm a Pilk enjoyer, right? I'm a Pilk evangelist. I, I would say that I'm you know one of America's premier ambassadors of of, of Pilk. If you're not familiar with the concept, it's when you simply add a brown 
add a brown cola to your to your milk, right? It has to be brown. If it, if it can't be anything with has too much citric acid in it, because it'll acidulate the milk and you'll have a bad time. Um, however, if you like a root beer float and things of that nature, pilk is essentially like the middle path between that and chocolate milk, right? And so it's very, it's very delicious. We want you to have easy access to it because the way that I and other pilk enjoyers currently have to make it is very, you know, needlessly complicated. And so what you can do now is that participating uh, convenience stores, gas stations, bodegas, you can go up to the, uh, the Pilkster enabled IOT enabled fridge and you can actually, it has a touch screen on it and you can right. select, you can select your milk and your pop soda, depending on where you are. Um, and what it will do is it will, it will give you a pre-mixed, it'll spit out when you open it after you do the transaction. You have to do the whole thing um, before you open it. Otherwise it will just, rain pilk out at you it'll start squirting at your yeah you know, you'll have to yeah. go change your clothes have a bad time you'll probably um, have to use your flusher app to get into the closest bathroom you um, yeah yeah exactly and you don't have to use the flusher app you know that sucks but pilkster is a good app it's built by good people real heavy hitters um what i'm trying to say is that you're going to have easy access to pilk any time of the day of participating stores um and we've got a promo code for you. Um, you can use the uh, the promo code Master Pilk Theater uh, at participating stores when it when it rolls out on uh, on the Wednesday the twentieth. So get run, don't walk to to your stores. Walk. Get 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 on the Pilk uh, train. Thank you. So is is Pilk like? Does it taste like an egg cream? Yeah. Um, I've, never, I've never tried this and I want to try this now. You got to try Pilk, man. I, so I haven't, I have full disclosure, I'm vegan. So I haven't actually done it with, with, with cow's milk. Um, the, the homie, the homie Jake Murphy um, is a longtime Pilk enjoyer. Like, and there's, there's, it's heavily documented that like people in the Midwest drank this a lot growing up. Like we've had whole conversations about it at, at parties where multiple people have been like, yeah, yeah, I used to drink that shit. It's like the fucking, it was like the, uh, the drinking pop version of, you know, just, you know how fucking hearsay and rumors and wives tales spread around when we were young, pre-internet, right. like it was just one of those things that people have been doing. And, you know, it was actually a thing on Laverne and Shirley, one of the characters on that show, like drinking pilk. I'm not, that uh, sounds like a, that sounds like a bit, but I'm not making that up at all. Um, it definitely sounds like a bit. Like, but yeah, milk and Pepsi was like a thing that I forget was Laverne or Shirley would like ask for um, and have, but no, it's, it's really good. I mean, it, no, it, it's, I would say that it tastes the, like an egg cream or like a, like a melted root beer float. Like I did right. it, I did it with cola this past week. And yeah, like again, full disclosure, I use oat milk for it. And I think that oat milk works really well because oat milk really kind of has some body to it, right? Like, and it gives the whole thing, it does give the whole thing a kind of nice melted ice cream kind of vibe. Um, I'm going to try it with uh, with Dr. with a Dr. Pepper style pop next week. Uh, Doctor, Make Dr. Pilk 
and I'm uh, I'm stoked about that. But Doctor Pilk, wow. um, yeah, that, I think that I would probably like that. Maybe a, a Mister Mister Pilk as well. Uh, yeah, Mister Pib. <laughs> Mr. Real Mr. Pib fan, which oh, unless you were talking about Mr. Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely Mr. Pib, but Mr. 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 Dew or whatever is the fucking best. Can you imagine um, if like I actually that's that's a funny thing to think about. You know how like companies can have really um, bad context awareness around what their brand is and like try to do things that are completely out of their league like sometimes it's funny like when burger king did tacos um i think it would be funny if mountain dew made a like dr pepper mr pib style uh pop called mr dew <laughs> mr dew sounds sounds pretty good mr dew mm. yeah I'd, I'd try that it would whip ass because Mountain Dew's never made a bad, bad pop. That might be a controversial opinion, but um, have you? I forget if we've talked about this. Have you tried the flaming hot, the flaming hot Dew? I've not. No, I have yet to, which is like insane because it's something that like I got the biggest fucking Truman Show syndrome when that came out. I was just like, this is the world's a simulation that is built a hundred percent for me. Like they fucking can't believe me flaming hot Mountain Dew, but I haven't tried it because like. Every time I even think about it, I get a tummy ache. Um, what I will say is that the gingerbread Mountain Dew fucking that they do that they drop during Christmas is so good. It's I like, think that like I think that their stuff follows fairly well developed patterns in like mixology, especially of like the sort of you know summary like fun weird drinks um yeah i guess like a ginger a gingerbread mountain dew sounds like a cocktail that you would make uh, Dude, around christmas time it tastes like a moscow mule with like way more baking spice in it it's fucking it's great fucking tremendous it just tastes like ginger beer with like way more cinnamon and nutmeg um it's so good and i i think that yeah that's a really good point because I love the idea that like Mountain Dew is a company that is so good at what they do that they like they do follow seasonal mixology uh, modalities, right? Like the Flamin' Hot Dew, it's literally just a fucking the pop version of a spicy mark. Right, exactly. Right. And everybody knows how fucking in spicy marks are now, man. You can't like you can't fucking whoa. Like, why is there a red thing happening? Is that the sun? <laughs> it's like I think it's a light reflecting. I think it's a tail light reflecting right that into is, the house. That is so really crazy. fucking weird. There's just a pink. It's fading now, but there was just like a fucking pink, like piece of rainbow on your uh, on your ceiling. <laughs> Super fucking weird. <laughs> the concept of a piece of rainbow is good. <laughs> like, I don't have the whole rainbow, just like a piece of it. Yeah, Skittles taste a piece of the rainbow. A Skittles Mountain Dew collab would be great. Yeah, you know they um, there's Skittles energy drinks C4. Um, since they since C4 got into the uh, got into the game of doing doing canned canned energy drinks, which a lot of the pre workout companies have have pivoted to because 
people have uh, people have stopped using so much pre-workout powder because they've started to understand that it's just legal meth. Um, the yeah, C four has specialized in like making candy flavored energy drinks, and they have a Skittles one and a Starburst one. I haven't gotten it yet because anything pre-workout adjacent makes me makes my skin crawl because I had yeah. a bad. I mean, you were you were at the table with me when I was down massively bad with with pre-workout and I was in my heavy pre-workout arc and you saw how how unhinged that shit made me <laughs> so you know I remember I remember Tim Tim Zed also just uh do, doing too much pre-workout one time and just being like I'm just to shower <laughs> I feel like there's bugs crawling on my skin yeah, dude, the, bu- the bugs crawling on your skin thing was so real because the shit has like a shit ton of beta alanine and niacin in it. And so that shit just makes you feel like you have fucking scorpions hatching in your fucking blood. Uh, it's the craziest thing. And I can't believe like, I'm really morbidly curious to learn what the long-term health effects of, of pre-workout are. Um, that is to say... That we're really back. Oh, it's even more powerful this time. It's just a vapor wave. I think I think your your world is just glitching into your version of the simulation is just glitching into some sort of vapor wave mode. And I'm really jealous of you right now. That shit is that shit is good as hell. It's the most vaporwave fucking thing I've ever seen. Honestly, um, um we're gonna be launching a pre-workout collab soon too, because we're buying the dip in pre and pre in pre-workout and we're actually pun intended buying the dip because it's we're going to be doing master shake theater edition uh fun dip flavored um pre-workout with uh with bsn so um, we'll be announcing that in the future and by that i mean i'm announcing that now be on the lookout right. for uh on on eight five um at, at vitamin like you dip your you dip that chalky ass fucking uh, candy tablet into the pre-workout and just kind of just kind of suck it yeah so it's funny because it's sort of conceptually like that the scoop for the pre-workout looks like that candy tablet but it's really hard to do right so that's that's part of the bit is that you have to like sort of dill it into your fucking uh beverage with the thing you have to like uh, scoop really uh, just entire thing's very annoying because we want um, we're getting out ahead of the the sequel to the sequel to slow maxing, which you and I have been a fan of for a decade plus, which is annoying maxing, where you're not you not yeah. only think slowly, but you do things in the most annoying way possible, and that's that's how you truly become ungovernable. <laughs> I feel like I like this era of cartoons because I'm a annoying maxing freak. <laughs> Um, absolutely it's give me a fucking annoying. tostada and set me in front of the fucking tv so i can be annoyed yeah give me a tostada and some poorly mixed nesquik uh and put me in front of this some really annoying tv like i i think that i realized i actually when we when we were hanging out in in ny i had a i had a big fucking bra moment i was like i like it and maybe we talked about this obliquely. I like it here so much 
because I can just annoying Max the whole time, right? Like it's the most annoying fucking place on earth. And it's the one place, it's the one place where I feel like I can hundred percent be my true self. And I don't feel guilty for being as annoying as I am. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I'm just sort of shrouded in this low grade guilt constantly because I'm like way too much for most people. And I'm just so fucking annoying all the time. And it's great because in, a, in New York, that just blends in and it's just fine. In fact, there are people who are more annoying than me, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's good. Yeah, we, uh, just to bring you into the lore, we basically just decided to ride trains around for seven hours or like six hours one day that, that uh, which we're all hanging out. Yeah, to, to zip you in on more lore, like, that is my modality of being in a place, because I don't fucking drink or do drugs or go to clubs or eat fucking animals, and so, like, when I'm in a place, I'm all about the vibes, right? It's like, I go to places exclusively to catch fucking vibes, and then, you know, maybe eat a good falafel, right? Like, that's that, that's my entire fucking MO going to a place, and guess what, man? New York, it's trains and parks. Those are the things that New York has. It has exceptional parks and the train system whips ass. Um, but God, is it annoying in the best way possible. I love it. It is a truly great train system. It's worthy of utmost respect and derision. Um, Especially that, that seven train dude is so... The seven train is the ultimate slow maxing experience, man. Because you're just like you're you're a thousand fucking feet in the sky, and you're just snaking over like weird idyllic fucking Ellis Island, America. It's it's the greatest. It's awesome. Riding the seven, seven train. train. Seven train is, is is the absolute absolute best train. It also ends. It also ends um, on the in the west in the most annoying place ever conceived, which is Hudson Yards. Hell yeah! <clears throat> it's like, yeah, the, the the two like basically terminus points. You know, the fucking City Field, excellent place. Yeah, and, and fucking, Flushing also excellent place. Right, Flushing also excellent. Like, truly great. Um, yeah, I've been I've been trying to slowly inception jbc into uh considering queens uh as as where he lands but we'll see how that goes you i mean dude if he it it makes so much sense if he's gonna be on the upper west side working like it, it makes, him, man. makes a de- really makes a decent decent amount of sense for him and queens fucking is you wanna you wanna do queens anyway man you wanna fucking do it queens is like I think Queens is Queens and far, far flung Brooklyn are the two only interesting places left in the country. Like I haven't been to, I get the feeling like long beach, a place like that, like South Bay um, in SoCal has similar vibes where like there are places that are diverse and cosmopolitan, but where you can like, that are, that are actually still interesting because you can, you can still afford to, theoretically afford to live there if you are working class right. and this is a good fucking preserves 
that's what preserves what America is all about in the good way. <laughs> um, Fuck yeah. And we, we've, we, those are the only places that like waspy white people have not given enough of a shit about to like turn into a giant fucking turn into a giant soul cycle. Like, like so many of the other uh, sought after places in the country. Exactly. The slow soul cyclification of, yeah. of, of uh, Brownstone, Brooklyn. Yes. Um, Just kidding. But, it was extremely fast. Yeah, it was very, it was very fast. Like the fact that anything at that scale happened inside of a decade is just fucking nuts. And a lot of, a lot of moments, a lot of bra moments and it happened way quicker. Um, just a couple of things to cover on the episode. I think this is a great conversation. I'm glad it went the way it did. There was just a couple, like a couple things I want to call out. Um, I died when I think it was Meatwad talked about the little friend, the little San Francisco in here in the snow globe, because in one time in grad school, had this ridiculous econ prof named Don Corsi. And he, his entire thing was, he was just like, he was just fucking Michael Douglas. Uh, and he would just go on these crazy tangents and tell these like, crazy stories and we were looking at some sort of like endangered species data and he did this whole this really abstruse bit about how there's a bug called the san francisco <laughs> <laughs> and i would laugh so hard i had to leave class <laughs> like i was just i was like cracking up to the point where people were concerned about me and i just had to excuse myself for a little bit and get myself together which is I guess we're gonna get myself together common theme in my in my life um I I always appreciate a good Emory and Oglethorpe especially when Oglethorpe says says things like now change unto channel um oh I also think that this is another thing that just ties back into the broader conversation that we're having um I think the fact that they made like very of the time spring break Cancun t-shirts to celebrate this shitty piece of technology that they cobbled together is really funny because in one of my group chats, um, one of the homies this week was completely up in arms about the fact that he saw a guy wearing a fucking dude wipes flat bill. <laughs> You're familiar very, with very dude wipes, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So somebody was like, not, not intimately familiar. I've never, no, yeah. I've never purchased them or used them because I think that using gendered ass wipes is like ironically the gayest thing that you can do. Uh, I no, I, I think that it's, is a really funny, like I, I guarantee it's just, it's a funny tell of like what genre of person this guy was like this guy, a hundred percent, does some sort of cult driven form of fitness and this guy a hundred percent um has been in a very grift or be grifted relationship with cryptocurrency at some point like mm-hmm. this genre of person right like the person who would loudly and proudly wear a flat bill hat that they got from like a shitty e-commerce company um but like a niche subscription product like that's right. like oh yeah dude i uh 
I can't wait for winter to get here, man, because I have my uh, my Harry's Razors Fisherman beanie, uh, and I'm gonna wear it every day. Um, it's like, oh, oh yeah, dude, I I've got this, uh, I got this Huel, I got this Huel fanny pack, dude. It's big enough to hold my Huel bottle, and I can just carry it with me all day, dude. But I just wear it all the time because it's fucking fly. It's oh, it's good. It's like taking, you know, fucking dude wipes flat bill hat uh, boyfriend and fucking <laughs> beach body MLM girlfriend. Yeah, Lula. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fucking Lula, Lula girlfriend. Right. Like a hundred percent. Like and they're just they go to CrossFit together or, or some sort of maybe even like I feel like CrossFit has become a straw man. I don't know what CrossFit's too hard to and to like insanely bad for your body to have held on for any period of time like it had a moment of maybe six or seven years but it has like fallen the fuck off and only the true believers do it now mm-hmm. i'm not even in touch enough with the crazy fitness world to know what kind of shit that people are into i think 75 hard is a thing that like is <laughs> 75, 75 hard, hard. Where you do 75 days of eating like a really restrictive diet like that's sort of akin to like whole 30 mm-hmm. um and you spend 75 minutes a day working out for 75 days sounds sounds pretty hard yeah yeah it's yeah and then there's like deluxe versions of it where you essentially just like don't like the the deluxe version of it is essentially you just live that way forever and don't stop God. but the people is uh, that's like that it's that's really funny like that seems to be the newest thing that like the people who you know need to self-flagellate because self-flagellation is the only um you know brush with divinity they can ever have uh right that there's a certain like simping simping fucking um virgin energy nietzschean uh so the the virgin version of a nietzschean mindset that drives people into these these types of situations yeah it's like i at some point earlier in the year finished uh william james's varieties of religious experience and like it is funny how much like or how common some kind of yeah like ascetic flagellation is is necessary um yeah dude i mean my life is entirely based around my own weird version of it so i'm not dogging anybody for getting their version of that bag no exactly i mean i I think that's that's basically william james's point is that you can't judge it on the basis of anything but it's but it's fruits for the person um and for society at large and if it produces good fruits then who cares what the fucking tree is you know yeah um, like at, at some point at some point no matter what your vehicle of hedonism is the hedonism well dries up and in order to just feel at the level that you have to feel in order to feel close to whatever god that you um have a relationship with you need to um you need to do some sort of self-flagellation I just think that's just like that's a common experience is like if you if you somehow get live extreme to the point where you 
you kill hedonism for yourself, you just have to turn the other way. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a wild way to end this, but that's how we're ending it. Peace and love, everybody. See you I next time. make one, one joke, oh, actually. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. two things. Please, jokes. All right. I only wrote two notes about this thing. And one was that I laughed very much that Oglethorpe pronounces cable cobble yes uh, cobble just like just like uh carl hungus it's uh, excited that exactly <laughs> i thought of carl hungus actually yeah oglethorpe is so similar to the nihilists and big lebowski and they <laughs> yes. were around that's actually that's the thing that i had a note about too so i'm glad you brought it up like this was not completely coterminous with big lebowski big lebowski was about five years earlier but this there was a hangover culturally from during the 80s and the early part of the 90s this very soviet and sort of post-war idea of some vaguely germanic motherfucker with a heavy german accent being the like go-to bad guy right like secondary <laughs> maybe like a shadowy shadowy russian um type motherfucker i think maybe even stretching way further back into the 20th century for obvious reasons like the german german villain is something that at this point had very obviously become played out and antiquated and tired and so like it was the province of comedy during this time to really just riff on the german the german thing and I, that's really interesting yeah that's a good point like, like yeah I yeah forget, i forget what it's what movie what movie is in i think from it's around i think it's from around this time but like there's i'm blanking on it i've watched it a bunch of times but they keep saying like uh, what are you, who are you who are you waiting for? It's the Germans. <laughs> and like I, I fucking forget what movie that's in, but it's something I've watched multiple times in the last couple of years. Um, but I just thought that I thought that was it's a, it's a funny thing to observe in hindsight because I don't think it's something that's terribly in vogue right now. Like I don't know what yeah. our what our go to straw man, um, foreign agitator uh, character is in things now. Um, but it certainly isn't the, the Germans. I feel like we'll have some kind of research. Well, I mean, Stranger Things seasons three and four both had the Russian resurgence. So yeah, and we do have just sort of like a a low grade, um, a very gross, um, very gross manufactured consent, low grade Russophobia. Uh, yes, is sort of, I think on, on, on par with the Islamophobia of, of the early 2000s in a lot of ways. Um, the other thing that I noted was I there's an AWS uh, container management, serverless container management thing called AWS Fargate. And I have no idea if they got the name from for that from this fucking episode or not because like i don't know what fargate is is that like 
I think Fargate might be a I, that might be a sci-fi trope that both things were riffing on. I'm not I'm not steeped enough in shit like Star Trek. Like my intuition is telling me it's a Star Trek thing, but I I do not know that to be to be sure because I've never I've never done a proper sit down with TNG, even though I've always wanted to. It's just TNG is such a fucking Leviathan. And like, even at my most, even at my most down massively bad, I wasn't able to like commit to the ass in seat time that would be required to watch even a a fraction of TNG. Even though I know people, people, people argue it's like the greatest show ever made. Like there's a whole set of people who make that argument. I believe them. Because there's definitely like there's Stargate and then Stargate SG One, yeah, and fucking like I guess it's on Netflix. Maybe I'll go watch Stargate. Um, yeah, do it. Yeah, I have no idea where. What, what, what the fuck? Fargate. Fargate is Stargate. <laughs> yeah it's the far version of stargate and therefore we have to call it fargate it's just the rules man i don't make them don't you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna do some homework and next episode i'll come back and let's see if i can figure out why it's called aws fargate sounds good um i'm in the wonderful position where aws makes me think of amazon web services but also a Wilhelm scream, the band. So <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. Anyway, thanks everybody. See you next week. Bitch. Bye.